the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Ladies and gentlemen, before tonight's episode airs, episode 140 of the Impact Wrestling Slammiversary Predictions, we would like to do a 10-bell salute in honor of Mike Halleck, formerly known as Mantar in the WWF. We had just conducted an interview with him before he had passed. It is his last interview We will be airing that this Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Apple Podcast at Perched on the Top Rope. So please make sure you listen. And thank you for everything you did, Mantar. Now let's begin the 10-bell salute. to Perched on the Top Rope. I am your host. I am former dirt sheet writer from Ringside News, Sports Tito, the Sportster, the Richest. I am Lee Walker, and I am joined by Box Spots and Chair Shots. Will Gray. Will, how are you doing today, man? Lee, always a pleasure when our paths cross, brother. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Before we begin, uh, Will, why don't you tell everyone where they can, they can find Box Spots and Chair Shots and... Uh, Go subscribe, give a like, download, all that. If uh, you guys are interested in my shenanigans outside of here, you can find Botch Bots and Share Shots and all the affiliate programs that come within at Rivet City Radio on YouTube and Rivet City Radio on Twitch. You'll find my interview series, Botch Bots and Share Shots, the trivia show, um, the Raw Rewind, which is a new program I'm getting off the ground now where we're going to be re-watching Raw from episode one. And then uh, just all kinds of fun stuff. So you can find us anywhere you do anything on the internet at botchspotsandshareshots.com. Right on, man. Uh, like I said, fans, make sure you go and like, subscribe. Do all that. It's a great show. I've been on multiple times. We switched back and forth during the shows. And today, will you have the pristine welcoming of being my co-host this week as we are going to talk everything related to impact wrestling but first ladies and gentlemen i would like to touch on the passing of mike Halleck, aka mantar as you knew him in the wwf uh he was very very popular over in europe and his first few years in professional wrestling uh, he strictly just wrestled in germany before making it to the wwf um very, very sad passing. I I friends on Facebook. We had just done an interview together and we were in talks of doing an autobiography together. As some of you might know, uh, I have the Curtis's autobiography coming up soon. And 
uh, the Mantar project was going to be my next autobiography that I worked on. Uh, he had messaged me that he was all for it. Uh, this Sunday, we're going to release that interview on the podcast first on Apple Podcasts, first on the top row. Uh, so fans can listen because this is the last interview that he had done. It is the last interview uh, from Mike Halleck, a.k.a. Mantar. So fans, make sure uh, you hit up Apple Podcasts. The episode's going to drop 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. This is his last interview. We touched on a lot of topics, a lot of great stuff. Um, one of my favorite things that we talked about was he has Finally, and it, it sucks that you know, he passed before it happened. Um, his first action figure, his first official action figure, was set to release. Um, that's the KWK. It was like a Afro retro style. Uh, it will come with like the Mantar scalp, the head that um, he first started wearing when he started portraying the Mantar character. So hearing him talk about the action figure was, was really cool. And well, as you know, the Mantar character was actually like one of my favorites in wrestling. Uh, as you know, and others know that when something comes up as like, who's the mystery person in this company? Who's gonna tag me? You know, all that type of stuff. My first answer is always Mantar. Mantar. So Mike Halleck, AKA Mantar, Thank you for everything you've done in the ring as a fan. I appreciate you. Rest in peace. I uh, send my condolences to uh, his friends and family. Uh, there is a GoFundMe link that I will provide in uh, our description. His daughter is the one who originally made the announcement of his passing on uh, as a Facebook story. Uh, but it actually woke me up at 3.30 in the morning for I had a lot of messages and phone calls because I was kind of letting people know that I was, we were gearing up to do this autobiography together. Um, he'd gone on vacation, fell and hurt his back, and unfortunately he passed away. So I just want to send my condolences to his It's never easy when you lose somebody, but especially somebody like you've you know as being a fan and then acquiring the relationships you guys had leading up to to getting the book off the ground and stuff especially in the short-lived time you were there like yeah it's never it's never easy losing somebody yeah no it's not and um i've interviewed other wrestlers like road warrior animal who passed away and thanks to that nice nature it, it does stink because like you you had a moment with that that superstar that that person who's larger than life that you've watched on tv that was a hero an idol so so to speak uh you know just like when fans get upset when someone in the nfl nba mlb uh passed away but for us wrestling fans we're known for giving a, a 10 bell salute so that's what you heard in the beginning of the show uh, that was to honor mike Ballard. so uh, we just wanted to let everybody know that sunday at one p.m eastern time we're going to release the audio of that interview with the following videos on YouTube uh, will follow that. So make sure you look for that. Um, this is in no way us trying to capitalize on anything. I'd actually talked to Sean who owns KWK 
originally he wasn't going to release the action figure and I had already had these videos ready to upload and they were the first one was going to go out unfortunately the day we passed with us doing the podcast today for the interview because we do them on Friday but then we were going to release it so after talking to Sean he said no you, you should release it fans would want to hear that and would want to um have something to remember him by. So Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, first on top of the whole podcast, the last ever interview of Mike Powell. Now, I wasn't going to release it. Um, I pulled it, and after talking to Sean, he said, now nah, you should, you know, fans would like it to, you know, remember him and everything like that. So that, that's what encouraged me to decide that all right, I'll, I'll put it out there for everyone to see it. After doing it, like that's the the nice thing of having it though, is having that interaction with him in that little bit. So once you do get it out there and you're ready to put it out, you still have that now, you know, that that one piece of being able to sit down with him. Yeah. So Sunday at 1 p.m. folks, that's gonna come out. And thank you for listening for those of you that uh tune in for that episode. I hope you all do because I learned a lot about him about Mike while doing that interview and then um, we had talked about uh, doing a book deal and, and what that entitled and everything. And I knew he was going on vacation, so we were going to work on it, uh, you know, when he had gotten back. And unfortunately, he just never made it back. And I was upset by it, especially since I just talked to the guy and then talking to others who knew him, like, Ian News, who's like one of his best friends, talked to him. And I, I talked to uh, Sean from AWK, who, you know, made his action figure. And, and we'll have an announcement at uh, San Diego Comic-Con about the Manifar action figure. So if you go to San Diego Comic-Con and you watch the panel, uh, make sure you check that out. There will be a special announcement on uh, the Manifar figure as well for that. But, um, Let's kind of jump in, you know, it's never easy, you know, trying to transition from, you know, somebody tapping to try and be like upbeat and be like, well, in today's news, you know, <laughs> they, you ever watch like the news itself and, you know, they, they're like, well, three people were murdered today on South Carolina, blah, blah, blah. And then they transfer over to like some cute dog award, you know, like, Today, this mini schnauzer won an award. Oh, <laughs> and you're like, how do you like? There's, I I struggle with it. Like anytime I talk about somebody who's passed, it's a very hard thing to try and transition into something else. And I struggle with this one to, to try and change topics. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. It's like you don't ever really know where to fit it in you know you have to cover it you have to talk about it you're like do i want to start with it do i want it to be the last thing i mentioned should i put it in the middle it's that like awkward juggling of where to drop it in what you're talking about yeah and anytime someone passes i would uh, put the 10 belts to loop right in the beginning of the show so it's just like i should do it then but like i have guests that i gotta introduce and introduce myself and, and it, it's a hard thing to try and transition into and transition out of a little bit. So um, we're just not going to have a transition and just go right to impact roughly. 
So, uh, Will, as you know, I got to be part of uh, the Impact Press Pass, which featured Deanna Perrazzo, Scott Diamore, and Trinity Fatu. And uh, that was a great time. Fan, that video is hitting YouTube today. So make sure you go to youtube.com slash person on top rope or at person on top rope. You know, YouTube's doing that thing out there. It's been cool. Trying to keep up with those, those, those darn millennials on uh, TikTok and other things. So good for them. But um, yeah, you can also find it there too at person on top rope, I guess. I'll put it there too. Why not? Um, Impact has had like one hell of a ride. Well, I, I don't know how much you watch, but uh, one thing I've noticed, they're starting to get bigger crowds, better ratings, talent's phenomenal, best storylines, I think, in wrestling. And well, the first thing I want to do before getting into Slammiversity, which takes place this Saturday, well, I know I say spoiler-free the way to be, but... Uh, would you like to talk some spoilers about Impact Wrestling? I mean, spoiler by free. Time, by the time that it's probably not going to be a spoiler. Well, this is a <laughs> show, folks. But uh, I do have spoilers. Uh, just so y'all know that uh, we did this before Impact. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, July 6th and July 13th, you know, I don't know how much you know, like how impact tapes they, they take ahead of time. Um, I think this is where it starts for the 13th. It's just, it has like both shows combined, so I'm not really sure. Uh, it was announced on the press pass that Deanna Perrazzo issued an open challenge. Uh, for Thursday's impact. The press pass was done on Tuesday. So this was announced. Uh, she had an open challenge. And it was answered by Jody Trout. Uh, Peraza wins the match, retains uh, Giselle Shaw, Jay Vidal, and Savannah Evans attack her. And then several knockouts uh, hit the ring for a big brawl as the women's locker room empties. And then uh, Trinity comes out later. She's on fire. Hello, everybody. Uh, clears the ring and then uh, they had to pull Deanna Perrazzo over and her apart in the brawl. So I found it interesting because for Slammiversary, this is like a co main event, first match. And when you listen to the Impact Press Pass, Trinity's like, I need to win this match, and so on and so forth. Deanna came off as like not really too averted to be honest with you, but one thing I, I did find interesting as well, Trinity is undefeated in impact. Deanna Peraza takes part in that because she's been in two tag matches with her. Because Trinity is 6 0, and two of those matches were held with from Deanna. So you know, now we're seeing them being pulled apart. This is impact, in my opinion. <clears throat> And I've been a huge proprietor of Impact Wrestling. Uh, we featured tons of Impact talent on botch spots. Um, I've done a few like the the media calls and press pass type stuff with them in the past. Great relationship with Impact Wrestling. I've been saying the whole time, 
I think the Impact Knockouts division is maybe the strongest women's division in wrestling. And if it's not number one, it's definitely got to be number two, depending on where you rank that WWE women's division with Impact. And the reason why I say that is because you have Deanna, you had Mickey, you have had Gail Kim, and it's not just how consistently good they've been this year. It's the fact that the Impact Knockouts division has been consistently good now for almost a decade. Like they've been churning on it and they've been building on it. And they've finally got to the point now where I think that may be their biggest selling point in Impact Wrestling is the Knockouts division because they're bringing in young up and comers. They've got veteran talent in the locker room that are helping put over the younger talent. And then you've got somebody like Deanna who's young, she's hungry. She's, you know, she's got the look, she's got the walk, she's got the talk. So right now is the perfect time for Impact Wrestling, in my opinion, especially leading up to something like Slammiversary, their biggest, you know, the biggest event of the year for them. Um, I don't like the idea, however, of them putting them together for the cheap pop and then splitting them up for the biggest pay-per-view. Like, that seems weird to me because they put them together for the for the tapings and to do this tag team thing and then to split them up this soon almost seems counterintuitive because arguably two of the biggest stars in the women's division and you got a two and a half or three week program out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And fans, if you go to uh, at first on top rope on YouTube, uh, you can hear me talk with Deanna and Trinity and uh, I get to ask me, I ask, a really cool question. It was more geared, it was geared towards uh, Trinity because I met her and was able to talk to her at WrestleCon. Uh, that video is also on YouTube at first on top rope, so you can watch that and follow it up with uh, the Impact Press Cow. So make sure you go and do that. Uh, the next match was Brian Myers and Moose defeating Sammy Callahan and Rich Swan. Uh, Impact World Tag Team Champion Ace Austin won a fatal four with against Angels, Clay Miguel, and John Cresham. Uh, the Impact Knockout Tag Team Champions were probably Taylor Wilde and Tyler McCain. Uh, and the design, Dean and Tom defeated the Decay, Crazy Steve, and Black Taurus. And the Death Doll, uh, Jessica and Brick Rush. Lots of slam and Kelly. Killer Kelly defeated Giselle Shaw and Tobias Evans, and Tommy Dreamer defeated Champagne Singh in a hardcore match. Very interesting there. Uh, so that, that, that rounds out the final impact before Slammiversary. And a lot of these matches obviously all, you know, generally are playing the effect of Slammiversary as it is a go-home show. So, you know, make sure you watch that. Maybe airing in a few hours. Yeah, it you starts in about 40 it. minutes. <laughs> I just told you what's going to happen. You don't have to watch it, but I just <laughs> so everybody knows what happened while we're doing uh, the uh, predictions for Slammiversity. You know, I, I, I happen to really be a big fan of Impact, so unfortunately, I want you guys to know what's going on before we talk about these matches, so that's what you're going to get. I apologize if you don't like spoilers. I know you're used to us saying spoilers is the way to be, but not tonight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the Go Home show? Just, you know, all those matches and everything. I just it off. Hearing the matches ahead of time, obviously not having seen them yet, it's 
it reminds me of kind of an old school go home show where they still had good matches. They still had some stuff affecting the storyline of the the pay-per-view sort of, but it was really just, you know, just well-booked matches to fill a TV slot. And this is one of my, one of my issues. I don't want to say it's an issue because I don't think there's anything wrong with how impact is doing it. But one of the things you were talking about is when they do their TV tapings, right? They'll tape two or three shows sometimes in one setting, you know, and it'll, you'll just go out. You won't see any promos or anything really, except for the stuff that happens before matches or right after matches, but they'll, they'll just pump out matches and you don't really keep track of what you're watching because they'll take a break and reset and put new aprons on or something. But you really don't think about the fact that you're going into a whole different set of tapings. And I think impact is getting to that point where they should be close or ready to doing, I don't want to say live shows again, but I think impact could probably, if, if MLW is doing live TV every week, I think impact could be doing live TV every week. So that's just my take on it. I think right now the the in, impact's biggest, I would say, hang up is the fact that I think they they're they're more than ready than the NWA and MLW to be doing live television. Oh, wait. Now you got me back. When I used to cover MLW um, uh, for Sports Kita, because I brought the MLW coverage there. And I brought like all sorts of interviews from MLW because like I was like talking about it on uh, my personal Twitter account, and Port Bauer had you know seen me, and the PR team had like and apparently they couldn't find a way to reach me. They the, their PR team literally messaged my personal Facebook. I was like, hey, we've been trying to find you. Uh, Fort Bauer would like you to do some interviews from all that. Like, cool. <laughs> um, but they weren't live at the time. They they also were pre-taped, but like they did a whole season in three, three or four days because I'm friends with a former referee, Larry Peace, which if you ever read my article, anytime he was a referee, I would always be like, and the referee was keeping the peace, playing peace. <laughs> so um, I always made sure to include him in my article. He's a good friend of mine, and um, that that at the time, that's how I knew they weren't live. So are, are they are going live now? They have their weekly TV show. They're doing like they don't do a live weekly show. They're doing kind of a live pre-taped combination. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think Impact because. I was talking on a show a couple days ago and it was late last week. I think and we were talking about my interview with Alex Kane and I asked Alex about that number three spot of the promotions in the country. Cause WWE won AEW number two right now, then who is comfortably that number three spot then and NWA impact and MLW all kind of got brought up. And he said, one of the biggest things that stands out for him to put MLW in that spot is the TV deal. Because access isn't easy to find. It's not on all your programs and stuff like that. So he says that MLW's TV deal makes them a hotter commodity than Impact. So that's what I was coming from is like, I think Impact is more than ready and capable. And when they were TNA, they were doing it great. And I think they're about to that that height again. 
where they're ready to be going on the road and to do weekly live shows and stuff. I think Impact could be a competition for AEW. I'm not saying Impact is ready to be a competitor for WWE. So my thing is, like I said, I, I think Impact uh, right now the best storytelling, the best wrestling going on. Um, like I've also, like I said, I've also seen where the audience has gotten bigger for their shows and everything too, which is nice. Uh, I would love to see them back to where like they were in the old TNA days. Agreed. They have a great roster. There's a ton of talent there. So it's 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 a matter of time, I think, for them. Realistically, um, they are doing things. Uh, you know, if they have an action figure line again, it's really cool. Their merchandise is hot. If you go to an Impact show, uh, like I went to. I believe it was Bomb Glory in Albany, New York this year, or last year. And they literally, at the end of the show, at the merch table, at the merch stand and everything, they roll up with a turnbuckle pad. They roll up with a freaking race skirts, and they sell them. Yeah. And I got I got one of my, I got a turnbuckle. Uh, Justin, as you know, he owns two or three different race skirts now. From the company, and I'm just like, they're huge, by the way. I'm like, he literally did a show wrapping, like, as a blanket, and like, I don't know, I don't know, like, what you do with them because, like, if you were to hang them on a wall, sixteen, a small sixteen foot ring is bigger than a normal twelve by twelve foot room. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the skirt would be longer than a twelve foot wall. Yeah, and like I have a first on the top rope table skirt for like when I brought uh, wrestlers into shows like Ultimo Dragon, uh, the Inspiration when they won the Knockout Tag Team Titles, I had them in New York City in Albany, New York, right after they had won them. Um, Killer Cross and Scarlet when they were first released by WWE, so like my table skirt is longer than my bar. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I would love to drape. I would love to drape that over. So like the big logo is right out front here for my show, but it, 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 I can't. I mean, I, I showed you, I've got 12 feet worth of AEW table, uh, the front tables from Rampage and Dynamite. Literally at my feet right now. And these things are just as long as my bar. <laughs> and then now, think about a WWE rink. They're 20 feet. Oh, yeah. Like, that's four more feet. Impact, I, I are they still using 16-foot rings, or did they move to 18? Do you know? I, I, I have no idea. I think they're 16, to be honest with you. That's what I was – the last time I saw them, I noticed, because when you go to a WWE show, the ring looks huge. Because I watch a lot of indie wrestling. I'm adding a lot of indie shows. So I've seen a ton of 16-foot rings. So when you go to a WWE ring, that ring looks huge. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yeah, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, as, far, as far as the ring size, I, really, I think Impact runs a little smaller than everyone else with that 16. But... I know they also, they borrow rings. And I know that sounds weird. But I have a buddy of mine here in town who runs a local independent show. And they will rent his ring for Impact shows sometimes. Yeah, um, 
when Impact was Impact at one point was working with uh, independent promotions doing the pay per views like uh, Impact Wrestling slash Excite Wrestling. I, I went to one in Binghamton, New York, um, and I'd done a bunch of uh, interviews there, which was really cool, and, and you know met some you know got to meet a bunch of talent and everything like that, which was really really cool. And, and even same with the, the show in Binghamton, the Bound for Glory. You know, staying clean, you get to meet a lot of talent and, and hang out and stuff, which is, which is a lot of fun to do. Um, which is something I think Impact does that's great. If AEW does it a little bit where you can perform the show, get to meet a few guys. Um, WWE does that at a much higher price uh, with their VIP thing that they do. When you get a chair and all this other stuff, and you get like, you get to meet a couple of the stars and things like that, but the last time I knew that was like five hundred dollars to The I was looking at Fastlane today. It's funny that you bring it up, but they're like gold package for Fastlane this year, uh, which includes premium floor seats, didn't necessarily guarantee ringside. Okay. So just it just said floor quality floor seats or premium floor seats. You get the the access and the meet and greets and a ringside photo op and all of it, but they were like twelve hundred dollars. Okay, yeah, that one. Yeah. For and that's for fast lane. Yeah. For like impact. Uh when I went, you could meet Brian Myers and Mickey James. It was only like twenty bucks. Like they did a super cheap. Which was which was really cool. Josh Alexander's meet and greet at Starcast last year was only $25 and he was holding the impact title at the time. Yeah. Compared to some of the guys who were charging 50 bucks for a picture in an auto. And then you could go get Josh Alexander's for half that price, literally one of the greatest wrestlers on the world, but because he's an impact talent and not an ex WWE guy or, you know, like it just seemed crazy to me because 25 bucks for his autograph. And then you'd look at some of the guys who were charging double that or more. And I was like, that's wild. Like yeah. this guy's currently holding the belt for one of the, you know, like we were just saying, easily maybe top three promotions in the world right now. And $25 for a meet and greet. With, with your champion, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. You know, um, Impact had a great lineup for Slam Adversity. And they jumped on the bandwagon of... Um, pre-show matches and things like that, like every, everyone else has done, uh, to, to draw in people to get ready for the pay-per-view itself. And there's two matches on the pre-show. The first match will be the Impact Digital Media Championship, which will be Joe Hendry. Joe Hendry. I believe in Joe Hendry. I believe in Joe Hendry. He will be taking on Timmy King, who will have Sheldon Jean with him. I'm a big fan of Joe Hendry. When he was in Ring of Honor, I was able to interview him. And it's really shocking. He is a very, very talented amateur wrestler who had no previous experience and like won like an Australian national championship. <laughs> and he is he didn't wrestle in uh schooling 
university or anything like that. We just that's where all we got. <laughs> I think Hendry's in that position where they've set him up with how successful his so the the digital media championship run has been. And it's kind of that it reminds me very reminiscent of like, I don't want to say third tier titles, you know, because I don't want to downgrade what it is, but him having a solid run with the number three belt says that by the time the Saban story, I'm sure we'll get to some of that stuff, but by the time Saban gets done with this X division title, Hendry may be poised to be ready to be the face of that X division or to be that number two title holder and to kind of move up in the ranks because he was one of those you're right. He came from Ring of Honor and stuff, but he was kind of one of those indie darlings. He just kind of had that like cult like following on social media and stuff that eventually got him so over inside of Impact that that's kind of where he's at. And I think he's primed himself for a good run when he, you know, when this run is finished and that X Division title opens. I don't see any reason why Joe Hendry couldn't be right in the running for that. It's all those uh, songs he does. It's so funny. <laughs> On Cardona Myers, you know, he did just did one recently on uh, Ken King. You know the the music he does is so funny. You know when he gets in a feud, it's like everyone has to do a song. So I think it's great. I love it. I'm going with Joe Henry. I don't think he loses to Ken King. I don't think Ken King is uh, you know three guys to do this to take down Henry Henry from. No, I'll definitely say Hendry retains here. Um, I think we'll see him drop later. Like I said, when some some of the the scuttle and the dust settles in that main event with the world title and the X Division picture and all of that starts to settle, that's where we'll see Hendry move. And uh, that says a lot because I'm usually not a real big character first wrestling fan. Like I prefer in-ring work over my, you know, the entertainment side. I prefer the wrestling side of it. So for me to be really invested in an entertainment style talent, like a Joe Hendry who puts the character forward, like that's a big push, you know, cause that's usually not my, my preferable cup of tea. I'm usually going to go hard in ring work first. And he's, he's sold me with some of his character work. So I'm here for it. Yeah. I, I was sold on him a long time ago. Like I said, back in the when he was ring about it, I was sold on him. Um, like I said, that's when I got the interview on and. Uh, Great guy, great interview. Uh, when I did interview him, I was sitting here at the Hasbro bar, and um, he got super excited about the toys behind me. He asked me to pull a few out, you know, that he remembered, so I did. And uh, then he quickly remembered, I don't work for that company. I changed topic. <laughs> so, uh, fans, you want to listen to that? It's literally our second ever interview on YouTube. That's a hell of a second interview. Interview. Yeah, uh, the that's pretty. The first one I believe was uh, Gilbert. Yeah, the first ever. Pretty cool. Um, oh yeah. I uh, love love working with Dwayne. Phenomenal, you know, to work with. Uh, so we're in agreement. Joe Hendry will remain the big media champion. Uh, the last. Uh, Prelim match before Slammiversary picks off is we have Jody Threat and the Death Dolls, Courtney Rush and Jessica, taking on the Chantourage of Giselle Shaw, Savannah Evans, and Dave Vidal. We both have the pleasure of working with Dave. 
I've interviewed Jay. Um, I've had a chance to meet Giselle. I've never got to interview her though. Um, but yeah, great guy. You know, thanks to uh, Impact, we've both been able to do that. Exactly, phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Great to watch in the ring. And of course, I just brought up the you know spoilers, Bill, with uh, the dust out on the final go home show, and a losing effort to the covering Tyler Wilde. Kaylin King and the design Gene and Khan as they were defeated. Uh, the previous to these black forests and of course the death dolls, you know, in that losing effort. So now here they come into a six-person mixed tag match after coming off a lot. And uh Deshaun Taraj too, uh, I believe on, on the show or the previous show, uh didn't do so highly. As a matter of fact, yes, Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans were defeated by Masa Slamovich and Sarah Kelly, which we see uh, those two uh, going for the Impact Knockout Tag Team Champions at Slammiversary. So we have two teams that on the go home show of Impact Wrestling that did not win. So one team here is going to be on a losing streak and the other is going to bounce back. I'm going to go with Giselle and Jay. I think they have a little bit more push behind them right now. And that's just me, you know, blindly saying with both teams coming off losses in previous weeks, you know, I feel like Giselle and Jay Vidal and Savannah are more over than the other team right now. So I'm going to throw my hat. I'll throw it in there. This is probably the match I have the least investment on or know the least about. But since I know nothing about it, I'm going to go with Jody Threat and the Death Bell. Got to keep it interesting. Split it up a little bit. I, um, I've had a chance to interview Jessica back when she wrestled at a, a TCW show back in uh, December 7th, 2015. Uh, Sammy Callahan was there. After just literally being released from NXT, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae were there. Matt Cross was there. On that same show, I got to interview Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. That's pretty great. That day was pretty cool. Um, It was my first time meeting her uh, at that show. So, sorry, Chantaraj, but uh, really threatened the death bell. I almost wanted to, I, I I came so very close to saying that very threat close to that Just throwing that out. I thought I thought I thought that would get a lot. <laughs> that would go on like watching it. For no for not being fun. Um this is my favorite. I love the exhibition. And more importantly, I love Ultimate X. Because we have an X Division Championship match in the Ultimate X. Uh, this is the number one contender spot. Jonathan Gresham versus Speedball, like the OG, versus Kevin Knight versus Angel versus Sheeta. 
All phenomenal talents, there's no denying that. You got an octopus, a speedball, I don't know what, a knight, an angel, and someone who's back to the future. That's how I should have worded this. I think it's a two-horse race between Gresham and Speedball. I think the other guys are there for the high spots and to, do, uh, to help the other guys get over and to do their moves. But I think this will be Speedball or Gresham. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would like to see Speedball. He had a good run as X Division champion. I don't remember anything that was just like off-putting about it when he was when he had the X Division title. It wasn't a bad run. Um, he had a great match. I think it was him who had the match against uh, uh, Mia Yim before she went back to WWE. He had a great X Division match against Mia Yim. So, I, I mean, Speedball would probably be my pick there. Gresham's a, a solid sleeper to, to you know, head up against Saban at the next go-round. I would say Gresham wins I don't know why, but like knowing Valley's already got a champion and Knight, Angels, and Kushida, you know, they're phenomenal talents in their own right, but I'm just going to go with His name sticks out, you know, and with his wife. Taking time away from impact and everything, I, I feel like they're gonna want to like really make sure and place that she comes back. So, what a better way to do that than reward her husband? You know, it's not I mean? a bad look. I said Jordan was one of the hottest free agents on the market, and I'm not sure is she. Is she a free agent already? Is she testing the market trying to get signed or is she still under impact contract on her way out the door? Do you know? So I know that she was, I assume, seemingly taking time off. But I also wasn't sure if she was going to test the waters anywhere else. I kind of chalked it up as uh, when I interviewed her, she was getting ready for her first bodybuilding show. So I had assumed that she was needing to go more that route for more bodybuilding. That's what I thought she was doing. Because if you remember, after that was it, like it was announced that she was going to like you know do more bodybuilding shows and kind of like walk away from impact. If you remember correctly, there was a lot of things in the dirt sheet that Charlotte. WWE was going to take time away from the company to do bodybuilding or fitness modeling or something like that. So, I mean, Jordan's in phenomenal shape. She is, she shredded me. Like, damn. I assume she's done. There hasn't been any word from her and word on her or something like that. So 
I assumed that she was like just done for the time being with the intent of coming back. I didn't know that it was a whole team leaving thing and that uh, because if that was the case, like, I haven't heard anything that that was she, you know, trying to stop herself elsewhere. The last I knew she wanted to do more bodybuilding, at least my my understanding was that she was taking the time away and it was more of a, I don't want to say a holdout because that might not be right. It may have been the bodybuilding thing that initially led to her taking the time off. But what I was led initially was that she was taking time off to kind of raise her stock. She wanted to kind of like, she had had that successful run as the knockouts champion and she was the digital media champion before that, you know, she held that title because she was red hot. So I think, if if she does come back to impact, it's a huge get for them. She's an amazing talent, great worker. If she goes somewhere else, rightfully so, because like I said, she could be a contender anywhere else. At least I think so. What what a better way to try and win her back than again order open? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Gresham is one of those underappreciated guys. I said it in AEW when the the way they handled the Ring of Honor title with him, the fact that he carried Ring of Honor as long as he did through the pandemic. I said I felt like he was mishandled. So if he does win this and becomes the number one contender, I don't think it would be a bad call. Like I said, he's my backup to Speedball. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think it would be a bad thing at all. I think it really benefits them for for them to do that. Uh, the whole AEW Ring of Honor thing. Uh, with him, kind of left a, a sour taste in my mouth. Not not him, the company, because he had carried the company, he had a vision for the company, but really, like, when I've lost Ring of Honor, I, I, it's just an AEW dark show, really. I feel like they've had a lot of issues with that. Because I've said AEW's biggest thing is they've got all these chess pieces, but they don't know where to put their aces in their places. Yeah. And That's, yeah. Like the biggest thing to me is, and, and you've been on these calls, Tony Khan on a media call had said that he was going to have Ring of Honor talent be more separated from the AEW stars. But we really still have not gotten that. Not really. Not when all your big AEW guys have Ring of Honor titles. You know, and I understand that he kind of needs it. I don't know how many people pay to watch it. I don't. Like, I'm, I watched a couple episodes because I had Alex's password, and I was like, this is like AEW basketball. Wait, Just not for you. Um, too many matches. The matches aren't anything special. It's just, all right, you do your stuff, I'll do my stuff. I'll pick out, you know, back and forth. One of us gets the win. You know, like every match. Um, when we got 14 plus matches a week on one program. I can't do it. Like I'm, I, it's not. Like that I watched AEW Dark once, and I, I felt the same way. Like, no, absolutely, no. So I mean, I know they've got great talent there, 
but to try and just get in as many matches as you can on an hour and a half program, whether rather than building a storyline to the belts, building storylines for the talent. It's just match after match. It's just, I'm a story guy. I you know, like I why are these two facing off? Never an explanation. It's just, oh, we just made these matches. It does make sense. We just we need a story guy. I don't think there's anything wrong with just putting two guys together, though, because if you go back to the original, you know, like the old school ways with booking, some of these guys would just book matches because it's a wrestling show. So they would put a good guy against a bad guy and they would fight it out. You know, like that's all the story that you needed was good versus bad. So I don't think that's necessarily the wrong way to look at it. Uh, I don't think, however, that. When you just throw two guys together, throwing two baby faces in the ring or throwing two hills in the ring or two hill tag teams, like if you're going to do randomized booking where you're just putting two people in a match to have a match, then I feel like the story has to be able to be told in the ring. And if there's two baby faces or there's two hills, it's hard to tell a story. It's hard for a bad guy to do bad guy stuff if they're both doing bad guy stuff. So I think there's a I think there's a compromise from just going okay just throw two guys in a ring and y'all fight it out versus going okay these guys have never fought but they're going to tonight and then let the hill guy do bad guy stuff and let the good guy do good guy stuff make it where make it work that way because you can still tell the story just in a much shorter more compact way to do it but throwing two good guys and two bad guys just isn't going to get anywhere there's nothing to tell there. No, but I'm glad you brought that up because I never remember a lot of old matches. And at the time of WWF, everything was, you know, storyline driven. To this day, like, wrestling is still really story. Back then it was too, but you would have, like you said, those random matches. But in those random matches, you usually had, if it was a good guy, the heel would come out, or vice versa. And, and the match that sticks out in my head right now for, I don't know why it sticked out my head. 1995. WWF superstars. Razor Ramon versus a very young Jeff Hardy. Supposed to be a splash match. Well, this very young Jeff Hardy went by Camelot. Because the Intercontinental Champion at the time, Gold Dust, his music hit while Razor was wrestling Hardy. And then Gold Dust had like kind of come out and taunting and this and that, and that drove Razor out of the ring. That drove Razor to get the 10 count. Jeff Hardy wins the match. After the match, though, Razor Ramon attacks Jeff Hardy and gives him the way to judge. So, those old matches, yes, you can have them face other people, but they still incorporated it in the storyline too. And that was like, for whatever reason, that stuck out and that was the best example that I could give. No, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about too, you know, like it's, it's, it's all about how they do it. And it's not necessarily that I don't think the, the talent wants to tell that story. I don't think that they're getting they're getting told what story to tell. I think that might be the good way to do it. 
You know, the guys are just getting told, go wrestle a match. So that's what they're doing. And they're not, they're not doing terrible matches. Most of them are great, talented workers. But I think the issue is they're not getting told the bigger picture of the story. Therefore, they don't know that's what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, right. Because like when I when I when I get told, you know, when I hear like these random matches, I'm like, okay, I could be a good match, but like, I hope somehow you tie it into the story. Like, I mean, that's what you're so used to after you know being a fan of it. But no, I um, yeah, unfortunately, just. It's not for me right now. Uh, I wasn't a fan of Dark, so like when I watched it in Obama, it was just like it. I was like, I'll give it time. Maybe it'll get better. But until then, time will tell. When it goes on a streaming service, that's when I'll pay for Ring of Honor because then I'll get Ring of Honor and AEW all together. So I'm just waiting on that. <clears throat> there we go. There we go. That's perfect. Yeah. So um, our next match is the Impact. Knockout World Tag Team Championship for Coven, Tyler Wild, Kylie Quinn, King will take on Killer Kelly and Moxie Slammer, which is we had already talked. Uh, Killer Kelly and Moxie defeating uh, Sean Faraz, uh leading to this match. Killer Kelly and Moxie has got to be a hell of a tag team to see, so I'm going with them right away. Moshe and Kelly are the obvious pick here. Completely yeah. agree with you. I'm following new tag team champions. Like, that is a hell of a tag team, a hell of a record. Agreed, a thousand percent. Masha, um, I said, I had uh, a guest on the show, we were discussing Impact probably a year ago. And we both agreed that we needed, that Impact needed to pull the trigger on Masha Slamovich last year at this time. And and now here we are. So I say, hell yeah, give Masha the tag titles and let this be her jumping off point. You know, let her and Killer Kelly continue to do this amazing story. They're pulling on every imaginable kink string you could find. So it's like, let them keep winning. You know, like, let them do it. They're lightning in a bottle, right? Like, grab it while you have it and let them run with it. Yeah. And let them run with it. Let them, like, show faith. Because I'm sure the tag they can be phenomenal. Yeah, it's got it's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be I think my sleeper match of the night that everyone's gonna sleep on. And I'm telling you well. Definitely could be up there for match of the night. Could probably I don't know. Trinity will probably they'll they'll have a good match. I was, I was could easily be women's match of the night for sure, but I I was not getting ahead of myself before we get to that knockout title match. Right. Our next match is a single match. It's Eddie Edwards with his wife, Alisa, taking on Frankie Kazarian with Tracy Brooks. We've seen these guys wrestle each other a hundred times over. You know it's going to be a good match. Former, Both former champions of the company. Frankie, one of the, you know, one half of the first uh, AEW tag team champions there. So I, I'm rather excited for this match, even though we've, we've seen it a lot. Um, they still rock different personas, you know, every time they wrestle, so something different. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm going to let you decide. Who, who do you think? I'm going to let you pick first. 
Uh, first, I love Eddie Edwards. Think he's a phenomenal talent. The dude's been a rock star and, you know, shameless plug. Go check it out. I've had a chance to sit down with him. Great interview. Um, I just, he's that established impact star. He's that, he's, I don't want to, I'm not going to say him and Seth Rollins are comparable, but Eddie feels a lot like the Seth Rollins of impact in a sense that he could fit seamlessly in whatever picture you need him to go into. And I think that's what's kind of cool about his character work. Um, however, looking across the ring, when you look at Kaz, like that man's the the quintessential journeyman. He's had success everywhere he's been. I think the story they're telling, building it up is cool. This is a this could be a 50-50 booked match, but I'm gonna pull with Eddie Edwards because, like I said, he's kind of been that that element in impact wrestling for so long now. And Kaz has been in and out and he's always viable and he's a great worker. But I think this is one of those things where it's going to be like an anchor point for impact. So I say Eddie gets the win here. <laughs> I feel like in these situations, Eddie usually goes over. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go yeah so that's two okay we are i honestly a lot of times i expect you and i to to agree most of the time with a lot of this because our brains usually sync parallel to one another we usually do pretty good so i'm excited that there's been at least two matches that we've disagreed on so far yeah same and i just i again i feel like this is a match where like Eddie usually comes up with the victories i feel and I'd rather it not do like Tracy accidentally crossing trying to do the match. This time I'd like to see a roll or sit here the white pop out. And they've done it before, so uh, I'm gonna go with Frankie just, just because like I said, I need to come out on top of it. Good pick. Either way, either men would it's gonna be a great match. That'll be another one of those like sleepers. You know you're just gonna get a really well worked match with Eddie Edwards and Frankie Kazarian. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, the next match is a fatal four-way tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. Wow. These guys really need to come out for the Jackson Five. Uh, it is ABC Tag Team Champions, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, taking on Brian Myers and Moose. First, Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan. First, subculture, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, who will have Danny Luna with them. And uh, we had brought up, I don't know before, but this match, I I love tag team wrestling if I'm being joined by Captain. I love to sit on the bar while I uh, do the show. The brain jumps up here on me. He needs attention. Yeah, that's basically what I do. I'm not going to say the words, but I think him and his brother are bugging me for the WAOK. Can't say it. So if you need to go down I'm going to have to do the opposite. I'm going to go with A. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm going to go with ABC. I don't see them dropping here. I don't think any of these teams have really been built up to look like a viable option to really take it. Uh, was it Moose and Rich Swan? No. Um, Moose and who? Sammy? 
Uh, Lewis and Brian Myers. Brian Myers. That's the the one that was throwing me off. That's the ran. Like some of these seems like just really kind of randomly thrown together tag teams. And I know how much you love those. You had one of my favorite meltdowns ever on botch bots and share shots with thrown together tag teams. Love it. Um, so I say ABC retains here, but that's not to say that it won't be a banger of a match because I think all, all eight men can work. But I don't think any of the other six that are in the ring with them have been built up big enough to take these titles off of them, to remove them from Bullet Club and to take it away from that pure. That's just immediate draw because Ace Austin and Chris Bay are both huge. They're hugely over with the fans. Plus, they've got the Bullet Club backing. So I think it would be silly to take the belts off of them right now. And I'm going to agree with you because I think the losing speed, they get the one, two, three, A, B, C, A, B, C, one, two, three, baby. Yeah. See? So, um, yeah, I do not like throw together teams. Uh, there's only one team other than uh, ABC that's not a throw together team. That's subculture, which is Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. But um, I think that they're the ones that take the fall. Uh, nothing against them. Uh, my next team, I would say that I think would pick up the pick up the victory would be Moose and Brian Myers. If, if uh, at least Austin and Chris Bay don't retain, I gotta say Brian Myers. I would say so. If ABC doesn't retain, Myers would be my pick. He's got. Yeah. 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 No, oh, okay. He's got the uh, the history with the title. He was the digital media champion at one point. Plus, Moose, he's been a world champion, X division champion. I'm pretty sure he's held the tag titles as well. Um, so, if they were to drop it, that would be who I would say because they have the biggest they have the biggest star power besides ABC right now. Yeah, can't argue that at all. So we're in agreement. I'm not complaining about it. I like it. Our next match is the X Division Championship. Champion, one half of the Sydney Mortar Machine Gun, Chris Saban, taking on when the hell did they fire this fucking movie for that? Neil Rush. This is a super indie match. I'm going to call it what it is. Leo Rush has retired like 12 fucking times, Lee. Like, when are people going to stop bringing this guy back? He's not even like the Michael Jordan. Like, he's beyond Michael Jordan of retiring and coming back. But, like, everywhere this man has gone, he has caused an issue for himself. He yep. went to WWE, caused an issue for himself, gone. Goes to MLW, issue, gone. AEW, issue, gone. Yep. It's just a really big super indie match. They put somebody they know will work a great match with Saban. I have no, I have zero, I very seldom, you know, never say never in wrestling, right? This is one of those situations where I don't think Scott D'Amour would ever put his belt on somebody with the flight risk of Leo Rush. 
I just don't see it happening. It'll be a great match. Once again, I'm not taking anything away. Man of the hour loved man of the hour, Leo Rush, when he would come out with the pants and it said moth down the side and it had the really cool blue and gray. Like that was awesome. Loved man of the hour, Leo Rush. But then once he hit that peak and then he became Lashley's mouthpiece and then it just, just dive bombed from there. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, Chris Saban. I'm just there's something about Leo that's not for me. Whether it's you know he's caused an issue everywhere he's gone to trying to I guess trying to be bigger than what he really is in the industry it doesn't work for me. Like, we've all been there where we know people who, I know you know, they get like a match on the AEW dark that one time and they can let it go to their head. Like, imagine, like, what Leo Rush is like. A man who's literally let every time he's been in a company let it get to his head. I think... Leo is the perfect example of a guy who can't stay out of his own way. He's too big for his britches, whatever old analogy you want to use. That's exactly what you're trying to say. I agree with you a thousand percent. This man has shown that he is a viable wrestler and superstar. He might not be your main event guy, but he's viable. But he's got that that main event mentality and the main event ego without the skill to match. So once again, that's why I echo the fact that he can go in, he'll have an absolute banger of a match with Saban, but he always gets in his way. You know what I mean? In short spurts, Leo Rush is great. Leo Rush in a company for six months is going to be a crapshoot. Yeah. I um, He's a great talent. I'm not going to. He's just. He thinks he's something he's not, like you said, simply put, you know, he's too, like I said, too, thinks he's something he's not too big for his britches, pretty much the exact same thing. Like, know, know who you are, know your role on the card. That was one of the most important things I think I've ever heard a, a veteran wrestler say to me in an interview. He said, it's important to know your place on the card. He was like, not everybody's going to be a main eventer every single day. And he goes, if you know, you're not the main eventer that night, don't. Don't go out there and shortchange yourself, but don't go out there and try to play a role in the story that you're not meant to be playing. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes Leo thinks he's the main event guy all the time. That's right. Really well said. I like that. So we're still in agreement on that? Oh, yeah. 100% Chris Saban. Uh, now this next match has some uh Bowie Ray and Dino will be taking on Scott Demore and someone who's to be announced, but uh, apparently known tonight. And uh, Derek McCarty from the NHL Detroit Red, Red Wings will be a special guest enforcer. It's pretty interesting. So, uh, first of all, I want to find out. 
from you, Will. Who who do you think is going to team with uh, Scott Lamar? I say. I, I, part of me wanted to say it was going to be somebody big, like they were going to bring somebody back. It was going to be a return or something. But I think really what it's going to be is somebody internally that you wouldn't see, like a Tommy Dreamer or somebody, because Tommy and Bully have always been at each other's like, you know, poking at each other and they go back and forth all the time. And uh, as far as I know, Tommy's not on this card, right? I hear that. Yeah, so I think it could be somebody like a Tommy Dreamer. I say they would bring somebody in that has a built-in story with Bully um, before they would bring in somebody from outside. So I'm going to go with a Mr. or Mrs. Internal Hire, and uh, I would probably say if my if I were a bet man, I'd probably say it would be somebody like Tommy Dreamer, somebody that could get in there and work safely around Scott because Diener and Bully are both going to take good care of him. And so I would think they would want to put somebody else in there that would have the ability to uh, carry the match because Scott, let's call Scott what it is, but it's going to be like, he's there, but he's not there. You know, this is three guys telling a four person story because Scott's not going to be able to work like a fourth person. So you're going to give him a strong tag team partner that can tell a story with both men. And I think Tommy Dreamer would be a good fit for that. I agree with you. I think he'd be a good fit. Um, I have one person in mind if they're in the company. And I'm going to go with PCR. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I, PCR is a hell of a talent. And I just feel like with a guy like Dean and Bowie Ray, that probably a mad weapon style where it's going to be we're going to see some shit in the past i feel like you know what i mean do you think the injury to pco is then kayfabe and it's just uh to get your eyes off of him so he can come out and have that big pop i would like to think so um that's why i'm going with it but i'm also aware that that might not be the case so i always come to the best always and the person I'm thinking of, if it's not PCO, like making his return after, like that has happened from the down PCO that they gave him, I think you'll like this guy. And I can't say manpower, sorry. That, that, that will be uh, forever a joke I can no longer do. But if they pull someone who's like not in the company or like hasn't been seen in a while, I'm gonna say it's gonna be like some sort of like ECW original type deal. Uh, like a Sabu, uh, Rob Van Dam, or for shits and giggles, maybe someone that. Uh, that was part of Team Canada with Scott back in the day in TNA. All, all viable options. I like the idea of bringing in an ECW original like Sabu. My question about RVD would be the status of his Legends deal. Is he allowed to take bookings with like Impact and stuff if he's still, because he's still got the WWE Legends deal and they limit his indie bookings that he's allowed to take. Yeah, I've, uh, I've definitely noticed that with RVD. Um, 
he he asked a lot if he has the rental that I know of too. So um those are just some options I had thought of as like the backup. Because like what a better way than have like an ECW original come out like someone that you was going really in ECW or um well, this would be like great where if someone like Abyss wasn't in WWE, like an old school Impact TNA guy to come out for a huge pop type deal, this would be that match. Oh, yeah. That's also something that's weighed in my head, too. What if we see like a TNA original? You know what I mean? That's um, not a bad pick. Yeah. So, uh, my first pick is that there's Kate Fabian with PCO and that he's going to come out. Uh, and like make a, a a return, but if not, I'm thinking it's needs to go to the original. I'm thinking Tommy Dreamer, and then as you said, at PCO makes sense um, to have him come back out because that'll be a good pop because everybody thinks he's you know MIA and out of commission because of the beatdown. So I think having him come back at Slammiversary and kind of make his make his presence felt immediately would be huge. So I, I would say Dreamer or PCO for sure. Um, would be my two picks, but I do love yours of the ECW original. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I thought it would be a great concept to be honest with you to have uh, an ECW original to, to come out and take part. Of it. But um, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see what happens because you know, let's not forget we've got uh, Darren McCarty on the outside of special guest of course. So I'm expecting a hockey stick to be swung at some point. Somebody's taking a hockey stick to the dome. And now we get into the last two matches here. I'm guessing it's going to be the permanent event and we're just talking about our world championship. Deanna Perrazzo taking on Trinity, uh, who was part of the uh, Impact Death Pack, ladies and gentlemen, that was to have first on the top rope on YouTube. Make sure you check that out. Uh, one thing I had noticed is pretty ballsy for the go home show for Gianna to take a open challenge. However, as we already discussed before, this still, you know, even just even if she had the risk of injury that she could take, you know, if she got injured and now she can't defend a championship. You know, like what would impact too? Would they just give Trinity the championship? Would they have someone else stand in her place? Because WCW did that uh, in 1999, 2000, when Houston uh, Thunder Live lost to Hugo Guerrero, and then Hugo Tui got injured, and then Psychosis had to step in and defend their uh, IWGP championship uh, for Hugo Guerrero. On WCW Nitro. So we've seen where they've had people step in for others. I don't know if this is something that would have done, that would have happened, but uh, Trinity said this is like a must-win match for her. As far as I know, it's like her first pay-per-view with the company. Uh, this is the first match between the two of them one-on-one. I think having Trinity come in and be undefeated is telling me that they're going to run with her with some sort of undefeated streak, I think, for a little while while holding the championship. So 
if I'm a betting man, I'm going to say hashtag and new. In fact, not that world champion. Agreed. Echoing everything you said into the chamber. I think that Trinity is been built up to this point. This is her first pay-per-view. She is undefeated. So to have her take the L here will take all that wind out of the cells. However, with Deanna, if she loses, Deanna's a made star. She doesn't necessarily need the belt to be at the top of the card. You know what I mean? Handing Trinity an L this soon could be detrimental to her impact run overall. Whereas Deanna taking the L here isn't going to affect her legacy really at all because she's this is her third title run. So I think that so I think Deanna is poised where she could drop the belt and then come back for a fourth run. We saw Mickey James have what seven title runs in Impact. So I mean, Deanna, it's not out of the ordinary for him to have four, five, six runs. So I think Deanna dropping the belt here and then reclaiming it down the road won't be a big deal. I think Trinity does need this win because if she loses. She loses all the momentum they've built over the last five months or whatever. Yeah, they, they need to keep the momentum running with her. Uh, again, both phenomenal talent. I just you don't run somebody like that and then have them just immediately drop a loss. Like I think you said it perfectly. It, it would tarnish her too much. It hurt her too much at this point. Uh, I don't think, it, and I think it's pretty lost. I don't think she'd be able to like fully like bounce back from it with impacts or she could be like a main event player. That's what I think too. This is her one shot to show that she can be the face of the company. Yeah. Let's hope that she uh let's hope that she shows it and she's able to do it. I'm I'm rooting for it. I'm a tra- I'm a fan of both, but I'm a, I'm a Trinity fan. So uh, I'm saying hashtag I'm real. Hashtag again new. That brings us to the main event. The Impact World Championship. The other half of the Motor City Machine Gun, Alex Shelley, the champion, taking on Nick Alvin. It's going to be a great match. Without a doubt. Coming from the NWA, holding that prestigious 10 pounds of gold, had a hell of a run with it, had a hell of a run in NWA, making his way back. The impact wrestling. My problem is with this is if Chris Saban doesn't drop the title, I don't see how it's so dropping the title because just like you, Willis, we've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks with the two of them. We see them facing each other, champion versus champion. So they're either going to put a big swerve here in one of these matches. Or there's going to be no swerve at all. I don't think there's going to be a swerve here. And this was kind of going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, I think, in the episode uh, with Saban and Shelly both holding the titles. Um, I think this will be a fantastic match. Aldis is a very viable option for the championship. I'm not taking that away. Aldis is a lot like Deanna, though. She doesn't need this win. Aldis, if Aldis takes a loss in his first title shot in Impact, it's not going to take the wind out of his cells quite as bad. Aldis is, a, you know, Aldis is already established. He, as you said, he held the 10 pounds of gold for over a thousand days. <clears throat> I think the bigger picture here is going to be Shelly and Saban holding those two titles. I think down the road, it's going to come into Saban cashing in option C on 
Shelley. And that's where the story is going to be. Maybe down the road for Bound for Glory, uh, getting into the fall, maybe. Like, I think that's going to be the story we see unfold over the next few months. So I'm going to say Shelley retains, but it won't be without Aldous giving him 120%. There's a swerve. I'd say either after this match, maybe Satan said, All right, I'm cashing in. And you could even, you know, maybe even later in the night, it becomes a triple threat. Who knows? I mean, there's all sorts of options here, realistically. But if, if Saban doesn't lose, I don't see Shelly losing. So I'm going to stick with my gun and say Shelly retains. And I'm sorry, Nick, about the damage. Nick will have his shine. Magnus will definitely have the belt again. I don't think that's the question. I mean, like he's always had the shine. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been a phenomenal talent throughout his entire career. Um, very professional with the suits and everything like that. It's just, uh, we're building something with Shelly and Saban. And it's just, it's, as fans, you're excited for it because they're great talent and to watch them wrestle each other is great. It's just a wait. So, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But we got through that with And we only disagreed on two matches. So I think so. Um, we disagreed with Eddie Edwards and Frank Kazarian and then um, in the prelims. Jody threatened the death doll and uh chakra. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been a uh, interesting impact show. So make sure you go to at Perks on the Top Rope on YouTube to watch the Impact Press Pass where we have to participate with Gianna Parago, Trinity, and Stephamore. And as we all know, Impact anniversary is this Saturday with a start time of the prelim starting 7 p.m. with the main show at least starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you check that out and, you know, watch it. It's going to be a great pay-per-view. I mean, we didn't spend all this time talking about it enough, folks. Uh, Impact, even though they're top three, my opinion when it comes to the wrestling and entertainment value and unfortunately fan I cannot say spoiler free the way that he is we drop a bunch of spoilers but please remember <laughs> please remember Sunday 1 p.m. Eastern time we are dropping the very last interview that Mantar is a Mike Alec, uh, has ever done as you all know he had passed away so that will drop. It's a very special episode. I usually don't do those type of things on Sundays, but uh, this is something you all need to hear and get to enjoy uh, Manfar one last time. So with that being said, Will, I'm going to pass this over to you. Tell fans where they can find you, where they can find Boss Box Chair Shots, from YouTube, podcasting. Uh, by the way, if you guys don't know 
Will is literally the king of interviewing NWA talent. He's literally interviewed the entire roster. So if you watch NWA, uh, go check out Will and all those interviews. I'm just going to tell you right where you can find them. Lee, as always, I appreciate it. Uh, when you and me and Justin, we always cross paths. I absolutely love perched on the top rope. You guys are my brothers in arms. Um, if you want to find my shenanigans elsewhere, you can find my link tree at the Will Gray. That'll lead you to everything. My writer's profiles for sports, last word on sports, pro wrestling stories. You can find botchbotsandchairshots.com. Or if you go anywhere you do anything on the internet, type in botchbotsandchairshots and we will find us. We'll be right there. Um, like you said, uh, if what Lee Walker is to impact wrestling, that is me for NWA. Um, if you're interested in NWA wrestling or indie wrestling, check me out. I drop interviews weekly with those guys. So, uh, yeah, the Will Gray, you can find everything you need there. Basically, go check him out, like, subscribe, comment, do everything. We're very big on, on support for others and box, box, and share shots. Will's been coming on for well over a year now with us to come hang out on any show we need. And even if it's a last minute thing, so thanks for joining in today and, and helping out. Uh, Impact is, is a great product. So guys, make sure you, you watch this pay-per-view Saturday night, starting time at 7 p.m. Eastern time for the freedom. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you go to our YouTube at Perks on the Top Rope. You can find us on uh, podcasting anywhere and anywhere podcasts are found. Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, Rent Circle. Uh, name it, we're there, but the most important to me is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's Perks on the Top Rope. For all those countries that keep us in Charitable, there's a lot of you. Thank you. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com, slash Perks on the Top Rope. Twitter, at Perks Top Rope. Instagram is Person on the Top Rope Podcast. Now I can add threat. Person on the Top Rope. TikTok, Person on the Top Rope. Twitch.tv slash Person on the Top Rope. We've been uh, playing the new AEW Fight Forever. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, <laughs> we don't uh, we don't have a schedule. We just jump on randomly. So, you know, we're not about the views there. It's just about having fun. So make sure you go check all that out. Make sure you check out Will. And everything box, box, chair shots related. As I refer to myself as a former dirt sheet writer, he is a dirt sheet writer. So this is like the odd couple, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, spoiler free, the way to be. We're out. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc